0: Hey Tears, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I'm interviewing Jared Olsever. Jared was raised as a Jehovah's Witness but was never baptized and he's like he'd like to share his experience with us of being raised in and ultimately leaving the organization. So Jared, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Riley? I'm great. Thank you so uh, we initially connected uh, via a mutual friend who i also interviewed on the channel um, her name is rachel rachel solani so how, how do you and rachel know each other
1: um i actually came across rachel on youtube she put out a little video and i'm always like my youtube feed just looks like xjw stuff everywhere it's just infiltrated at the homepage. um i came across her i recognized that she was also an artist i'm an artist too And I had to reach out to her because I haven't really met any XJWs that were creative in that sense. And I just had to kind of reach out and connect. And we hopped in a call and we're kind of just good friends now from a distance.
0: Cool. Cool. That's excellent. Yeah. Rachel's interview was great. It was really um, moving hearing her experience and how she woke up from the organization. Yeah. Yeah. She's a beautiful, beautiful person. She is. She is. Yes. Okay, so would you like to tell us a little bit about your witness upbringing? Man, where do I start? Um,
1: okay. Yeah. Well, I was born into the religion. My, my mom and dad are, they're both foreigners so they're I live in Toronto, Canada. So they met here. My dad's from Brazil. My mom is from Trinidad and uh, they connected to the organization. I ended up getting married. Of course, the way it goes, they had three kids, uh, me, my brother, my sister, I'm the middle child. So now to be the black sheep, um so yeah i I grew up in it my entire life uh i remember just going to meetings and always having i think i was always intuitively having this gut feeling that something was off i knew something was off inside me too so i'm gay so i actually came out last year publicly on my instagram and uh i had a lot of jw's following me at the time they're not anymore (laughs) And I kind of just like briefly relayed my experience growing up in the organization and Just what it does to mental health and what it does to people who are in a similar situation and What kind of triggered that was I don't know how to backtrack this because the story might just go all over the place but what triggered me to make that video was My parents kind of dismissing the fact that I was gay not wanting anybody to know and I was living in the Cayman Islands for a couple years and I moved back to Toronto and everybody was asking me where I was. And I found this out through a mutual person who's not a witness, but it's my, my parents' mechanic. Their son told me that my parents were telling people that I came back and decided to just cut everybody off, which was not the case, because it's not my personality. I'm not I'm not this asshole. Um, so I had to set the record straight. You know, They already kind of shunned me when I came out to them. So I wasn't gonna let that story of me just Dismissing everybody, they 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 don't want to tell people I'm gay. They're embarrassed. So I had to make that little video. Um, yeah, I I was kind of new growing up. I had questions, a lot of questions about, you know, uh, biblical prophecies and just like the Book of Genesis. And I thought it was really strange the way, you know, God was treating humans. Uh, this is gonna come across really negatively, but I really don't care. Um, you know, I always looked at God as having us as a vanity project. He's created all these human beings to kind of worship him and, you know, praise him and if we did anything wrong or slipped up, we'd be punished severely. And I didn't like that idea. I didn't really like this idea of this being that was called loving treating us so negatively. And I had a lot of questions surrounding that and I was always dismissed. My questions were dismissed because it was always apostate questions, things like that. So. I, I bit my tongue after a while and there was also a lot of things that I did as a kid that were a little bit flamboyant because you know you're just a kid trying to express yourself trying to figure out life so I was taught out of a lot of behavior I was if I had to have any hand gestures that were a little bit off my mom would be like don't do that only girls do that or uh, you know things I would say um, so I kind of had to check myself every time I talked or every time I acted out um, And even going to like witness gatherings I was just very like antisocial I didn't know I didn't know how to talk to these people Um, you know I continued to go I went in service I did all the damn things you should do except getting baptized Um, I remember at 14 years old all my colleagues all my friends in the organization they were all getting baptized everybody was doing that and it was a lot of pressure but I knew inside I'm like I can't do this I couldn't do it and even growing up as an artist i don't really think it's easy to express yourself as any type of creative you can't even express yourself as a human being in it so trying to just like be a painter or whatever creative outlet you had you can only go so far before you hit a wall and then you know there's always these eyes on you this scrutiny this everything's under a microscope so i remember painting something with a woman it was like a detective scene it was just i love movies i love Uh, comics so I just really kind of drew a lot of inspiration from that but I remember painting this like detective scene where there's this woman just smoking a cigarette in this like black and white kind of scenario and they didn't understand why she had a cigarette in her mouth it was like the worst thing in the world and they didn't you know all they could think about was that it wasn't about a story that I created it was nothing deep it was very surface level for them that's what I always found the organization to be like super surface level no one wanted to get deep no one wanted to talk about
0: issues that, you know, I really wanted to know about, so it was difficult. Mm, I can imagine. Um, you said that every time you spoke, you had to check yourself. And that sounds exhausting. How, how did that mm-hmm. affect you mentally and emotionally? I mean, it's repression, right? All
1: you're doing is constantly trying to make sure you don't say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And, you know, I knew I was gay. Um, (laughs) my idea was I was going to do everything right to please everybody around me. So in my head, you know, I thought I could just, like, pop Viagra for the rest of my life and just uh, (laughs) have a wife and kids and do the whole white picket fence thing the way the organization pictures it out to be. Um, but yeah, it's difficult, especially as a child, just trying to, like, make sure you don't say or do the wrong thing because you're literally holding back your entire personality. And... Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of kids in that organization, we're going to witness parties all the time and seeing these kids get wasted, just like even doing a little blow. Like, you know, it's sometimes at these parties, these witness kids, right? Because they're just like aching to, to get out of their skin. They're just like really just, it, it's hard because they see things that are happening on the outside and they're told everything is horrible and evil and they, they just want to experience it, you know? So I understand that level and that need to want to go and see what's out there and finally understand that it's not bad there's some bad stuff but that's in everything you know so they demonize they love using that word too but they demonize the world Um, yeah and it's just not the case you know you can go in so many different routes and if they don't prepare you for a world you enter there's gonna be a lot of problems for you you know you're not prepared to enter this world that they judge and they make you think is evil so
0: how can you how can you navigate it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, actually you can't <laughs> you know yeah. you, you have to learn and I've, I've, that's something that I've experienced myself It's something that a lot of ex-witnesses experience once they they do leave the organization and they get into the world they they haven't got a clue mm-hmm. haven't got a clue what the, the thing is with with the classic stereotype of, of cults they live they physically live separately from the rest of the world, they isolate themselves in a physical way. Jehovah's Witnesses don't do that. So you grow up being around the world and around worldly people, just enough for you to think you understand what the world is about. (laughs) But then when you get out into it, you realize that you know absolutely nothing. And that's a real challenge. Absolutely. Um, I was kind of smart in some senses, I wasn't the smartest, but
1: uh, I was always kind of developing friends outside of the organization just because I was that weird kid you know I couldn't make any friends I was socially awkward and you know you're so closed off in this bubble that there's not a lot of variety to choose from so I really did start making friends at school more creative types more people that I thought I could vibe with than I did and I was always just kind of developing that secretly but (laughs) it's funny because Every single person in school I made friends with, my parents would somehow find out about them and go to their house on the weekend and preach to their their families. It was just like, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. So wow. like, all my friends, <laughs> I came back to school the next Monday, and all my friends be like, yeah, my your parents are at my house, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> and they did this on
0: purpose. Sorry.
1: Yeah, of course they wanted to make sure that I was, if I wasn't gonna talk to kids in the hall, then I would. You know, at least they could at least try to persuade people to coming to meetings, so I could develop friends that way. Um, at least, kind of pushing them to becoming witnesses. You know. Yeah, I, I understand the mentality, but it was ridiculous.
0: Wow, wow. Well, were there any like repercussions from 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 them doing that? Like when you went back to school and faced your classmates,
1: <laughs> just like teasing, like the regular teasing. No one really gave a shit. Like that's when I start to understand about worldly people is, they really just like, they don't treat you, they don't, people judge you, sure, but they don't judge you the yeah. way witnesses judge you under the skies. It's not, it, it was just very like, okay, well that was weird, but you know, you move on. And yeah, I, I love that. I love that people were more understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. I'll tell you about a really funny experience actually before I entered high school. Um, I actually asked to be homeschooled because I was so nervous to go to high school. But my parents were, I'm glad they pushed me to go to public school. And I grew up around, um, I don't know if you guys got it in the UK, but uh, BET, it's like Black Entertainment Channel.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) on cable, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I grew up around a lot of that influence. I grew up like I loved, I idolized all like that entertainment. And, you know, I also grew up around a lot of diversity in my neighborhood. So I wanted to like get this haircut. And at the time it was just, I don't know why it was so rebellious, but I was like 14 years old and everybody, even kids in the hall, they had like these pointy sideburns. (laughs) Like you had to line up the fade and the pointy sideburns. And I didn't have facial hair at the time. So I was just like trying to like emit this cool haircut. And I was just entering uh, the first year of high school. And so I remember I went on my own and I got this haircut and I came back home and then my parents were just like, Fuming at me, they're like, "You look like a kid off the street." They like made me feel like shit, and I was like, "What? Like, no, this looks sick. Like, I have like a really cool haircut. I can't wait to start school tomorrow." And that night, I remember going to sleep and then waking up to my dad like wet razoring off my fucking sideburns, and I was just I woke up crying and screaming. It was like so traumatizing. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> you just ruined my whole haircut. You ruined my whole vibe." But like stuff like they did a lot of extreme weird things like that, and it was just like I don't think they understand the. Um, the capacity of how traumatic that could have been to a kid and I remember I didn't really remember that for a long time until I had a therapy session I'm like oh yeah they did that that was weird and my therapist is like yeah that's not normal actually <laughs> so it was it was a bit strange but you
0: know stuff like that was very common in my household wow wow and how old were you roughly at, at, at this time I, I was about 14 15 years old so it's like grade nine in Canada's like first year of high school right right and um, did you did you receive any pressure from your parents to get baptized yeah it was like the
1: pressure like so i also when i was nine years old i was diagnosed with arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis followed so i had a lot of like i was a very sick kid at the same time sorry Um, sorry what was
0: the what was the second illness you mentioned
1: ankylosing spondylitis so it's like the affliction it's it's a degenerative disease in your spine where the there's vertebrae and so the the Cartilage in between the vertebrae is corroding so it's fusing the spine together. So I'm good now Like I've been really good with my health, so I feel great Um, But at the time it was really difficult as a kid, you know, like I had pain all over my joints It just spread to my entire body. So I was pretty immobile for about like four years of my life and you know being gay being Having this sickness it really didn't allow me to live any kind of normalcy. So I Was really just like fighting to kind of I had a lot of suicidal thoughts I had a lot of just like deep dark thinking and I was alone, you know, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. My mom was great in terms of like taking care of me, but the emotional support was never there. I couldn't tell anybody I was gay. It was just like a lot to handle on my own as a kid and I was just in and out of the hospital all the time. They were lenient a little bit when they, when I, because I was sick. They were lenient a little bit, but there was the, you know, like everybody else's, i behind Baptist around you, you know, you should dedicate yourself, you know, stuff like that. But I really did leverage, even if I was feeling okay, sometimes i leverage the fact that I had arthritis to, I used to like fling myself, <laughs> I used to like fling myself down the stairs and be like, oh, Thursday night came around like, oh, I fell down. I can't go to meeting. Like I used to do a lot of bullshit like that. And, Ooh. you know, so that, <laughs> that kind of like left me uh, I mean i was happy i didn't have to go to meetings i'd sit at home
0: and just watch movies while they were there and i could watch whatever movies i wanted so i was like psyched about that <laughs> yeah. uh, so what about when you got older um did 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 things more or less stay the same or did they start like saying well come on yeah <laughs> it's time to get baptized now well they started seeing that i wasn't really
1: present mentally in the meetings and i did start kind of missing more and more and You know, they would always invite me and be like, are you feeling okay today? Did you want to go to a meeting? And I'm like, "Mm, no. And I did go every now and then, but like I stayed, like sometimes I remember just going and sitting in the hall and hearing something really triggering like about homosexuality or people that in the world. And you know, if you're, if you're gay, you're gonna die. And like, that would like stab me in the heart hearing the brother on the platform say that. And I would literally just, it was like a half an hour walk home for a kid in the night time. So I would just like, I'd walk home and cry or I would go sit in the car and cry. And like, that was the end of the meeting. Every meeting I almost like was in tears. And people, I remember my parents be like, yeah, people were asking for you. Why didn't you stay back and associate? I'm like, how the fuck can I associate with these people? If they just would never understand, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it just got harder as I got older in terms of just like my mental health. I just was not okay. I turned to a lot of substances. Um, I abused a lot of things. I partied a lot. And it was just like all to kind of steer my my head away from what I was going through internally. I was like a people pleaser. I made sure everybody yeah. around me was, are you good, are you good, are you good? But I never really checked in on here. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, even with my worldly friends at the time, it was, I, I felt like I still couldn't tell them. I felt like everybody was against me anyway, because that was just the mentality
0: I was raised with. So it was hard to come on to anybody. wow Wow. so when did you start to feel that um it wasn't actually the truth so this is going to be
1: about five minutes long i think (laughs) but (laughs) but, uh so i decided i was i was probably in my 20s and you know i was still battling with the fact that is the truth or not but am i going to die am i going to live whatever and I was offered this opportunity in the Cayman Islands to go work for this, uh, startup business. I was in the print industry for like 10 years. So I was like, I guess what you'd call a pro not that it's anything that now, but, um, I was scouted to work and I thought, you know, I'm not doing anything Toronto. I'm depressed here. I don't I'm not Out to anybody really. Um, my family is, no, I just wanted an escape. And so I decided to take this contract to go work for two years in the Cayman Islands. And, you know, I, it was a great thing I did. Um, I met a lot of great people. I started coming out to people there. Um, I met like, yeah, like the most amazing people in island life is, there's nothing like island life. Um, I started to become more myself and understand what I want mm. out of life. Again, it's still an island, so it's a very conservative place. It's very religious regardless. So they're not very accepting of homosexuality there. Um, so I still had to hide somewhat. And Miami is only an hour away, so I remember my wake-up call uh (sighs) i someone from miami came to visit the cayman islands and i met them through a dating app and we met up and then they were leaving and then they said if you ever want to come to miami um you have a place to stay and i was like cool that sounds awesome like i'm actually gonna go next week because it's my birthday it's my 30th birthday actually so this is actually fast forwarded quite a bit um and I ended up going there, and it was a really weird weekend. It turned into like, firstly, I went and I waited outside this person's place for like three hours. And then they finally came out and were unapologetic about it. And then I started to notice weird things. I went upstairs into their place and there was no furniture. There was like a hole punched in the wall. It was just a really strange scenario. And I realized after a couple of days that they were a meth addict. And on my 30th birthday, I had this massive panic attack because I was in this place where I didn't know anybody. This person was really strange. And I was lonely on the island. So I was just very naive to like relationships and just understanding the dynamics. And I would have just like taken anything at that point. Um, And I remember, yeah, that panic attack I had just took over me and i went yeah. to the window and he was like in a, i think he was a seventh floor and i tried to jump out the window and it was just a, i think it was just it came down to a matter of not telling my parents being in this foreign place and just like not being out and open about who i was and it just all came crashing down this battling with this jehovah's witness thing and just like trying to understand myself and he stopped me he grabbed me before i jumped out and then he's like i know it'll calm me down and then he offered me a little meth and you know at my frame of mind i took it and that was probably the worst night in my life because it was like extreme paranoia um i got a text from my mom like in the middle of the night stating how much she loves me and she can't wait to see me because i was coming home the next month for the christmas break um and it just everything hit me and then it took me like five days to come down from that i was like an emotional wreck I went back to Cayman and um, I decided to myself, I'm like, you know, when I go back for Christmas, I have to come out to them. I have to tell them everything. And I was still kind of on the fence of believing this whole truth. But when I came back, I came up to my brother first because him and I are growing up, we're like best friends. And he was great in the beginning. And then I came up to my sister and her and I have always had like this tumultuous relationship growing up. And she was like crying for two days, (laughs) making about herself as usual. Sorry if you see this. Um, And then my mom was like, why is she crying? Why is she so upset? I'm like, "Mm." and then I came up to them the last day I was leaving back for the Cayman Islands. And the first thing they did was they brought the Bible out, and they're like, we can fix you. And and then I was at my point. My head was like, I I don't need to be fixed. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm just I'm telling you guys this because this is what I've been dealing. I told them about the math. I told them about everything. I told them about the suicide attempts. I told them about how many suicidal thoughts I've been having. And the only thing they could look at is, oh, you're gay. We can fix you. So it said to me in my head at the time. Better off dead than gay. Um, that's how I read it. And maybe it's not their intention but it really, it cut me, you know? And I was glad that was the last night I was staying with them because I was so happy to escape back to the Cayman Islands. (sighs) Yeah, after that, I just, I started doing some research. You know, after that treatment, it took me a few months to kind of process it, but I was like, why do they treat people like this? And then I started looking to their policies and saw that they were implemented not even from the beginning of the religion like that shunning policy is just you know that was later on it didn't even make any sense that was man-made it's not scriptural and you know i started watching a lot of lloyd evans which is where i found you as well um and it just opened my eyes eyes to all this all this stuff that i had no idea about like all the child abuse all the all everything everything going on in it and it started to kind of feel this activism mode in me in my art, I started being able to understand what I wanted to create. I was always creating, but I didn't know what I was doing. I had this like the skill set, but I didn't know what to do with that. I was just doing things as a chore. And now I found like, I feel like a purpose in terms of what I was creating. And I started making uh, stuff that was a little bit uh, controversial, but it, it, it says vol- I think it says volumes, and after I made that video, I, of course I was nervous to post it, but after I saw the outcome of the, the DMs that I was getting, and even some ex-witnesses that I reconnected with, I heard their stories because rumors were spread about them and I was a kid at the time, had no idea, and now I know their real story. It's like, they, they lie about these people. They lie about these people when they leave the organization to make them look like they're bad. And yeah. the reality is, these are good people. And they do everything they can to protect the name of this fucking organization. And it's disgusting. So, yeah, I think maybe last year was when I realized, whoa, this is not. This is a man-made organization. If there is a God, which I think I'm a bit atheist these days, this is not where he sits. He does not have
0: a presence in this organization at all. And waking up and finding out all these things about the organization, How did that make you feel emotionally? Were you angry, relieved? Just walk walk us through how it impacted on you. Oh my God, it was anger.
1: (laughs) It was so much anger. Like I didn't know what to do with this. I was bottling up all this anger and I was like, I'm gonna take this organization down by myself. I fuck, like fuck this organization. (laughs) I was just in this mode to be like, I wanna destroy this. I wanna take my family out of it. I wanna rip all my, like my old friends out of this. But the reality is you can't do that. And I think the best way I I kind of expressed that anger was through my artwork, and it was through just talking to people like my worldly friends and then getting a therapist and just kind of discussing it that way. You know, I reached out to my mom a couple times and she reached back, but it was always just like an argumentative conversation about how fucked up that organization is. And obviously she was gonna take offense to it. You know, my sister sent me a letter like two years later indicating it was it was nice because there's a bunch of pictures from us when we were kids, but like, that's not me anymore. I'm here right now living, breathing. You should be talking to me here right now. And she just indicated, oh, just want you to know that, you know, our love isn't conditional. I'm like, you need to fucking look up that word again. <laughs> this that does not what unconditional love is. Um, it's. Yeah, it was just uh, I was a mess for a bit.
0: But I, I think I'm in an f- amazing place now. That's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. So how how have you moved on past all of that, past the realization of that?
1: Still moving through it. But um, what I'm coming to understand is I'm just trying to, like, verse myself more and more every day. Sometimes I need to step back from it because it is a lot. And, you know, like, if mm-hmm. I think what I've been doing is trying to, like, take it down with my art in terms of, like, I created... I think the, the best way to convey religion to people is sometimes through symbolism that they kind of understand more so I, I did like um, a rosary with two hands praying but it was like the cross because people understand that it's Christianity Catholicism and instead of at the ends of the heads I put penises <laughs> and what it was was a take on the pedophilia happening I don't know if we could use that word on YouTube child abuse <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in their in their religion and um, Yeah, I started putting, like, deeper meanings and messages into pieces of art and blatantly saying it's a cult. And, you know, that's a triggering word for Jehovah's Witnesses. They hate that word cult. So after I did that, like, I mean, it's distanced me more and more from my family. And it's definitely put a bigger wedge in between us because, you know, I'm an apostate now. So they don't want, they can't have anything to do with me. And it sucks because, like, I miss my brother because I know he's a good, like, and it's so crazy to see... My brother and my sister were very progressive thinkers. They were never; they were kind of like back and forth with the religion for a bit. And I think as soon as I came out, I don't know what I don't. I'm not putting all the <laughs> all the effort on me here, but it's like they banded together and they're like, "Oh, we got to be strong because you know we he's out and we have to be strong together in this." Now we know this is the truth, kind of thing. Maybe in their heads. The thing is, I don't have communication with them, so I don't know what's going on in their heads. But this is kind of what I'm I'm getting from it um and yeah i still love them it's just it's it's unfortunate and it's i what i understand more so now is you know you and i were both in that we know what it's like to have our brains held in this jar you know kind of hostage so i know that they think what they're doing is out of love yeah and they don't see it any other way so i can't really it's hard now for me to be angry at them even though sometimes things will trigger me because I, I feel sorry for them, more so than anything. I just really feel sorry for them because my parents are in their 70s now and who the hell am I to come take away that version of happiness for them if it's what truly makes them happy? It's unfortunate that it does, but you know, they've taken a big chunk of their lives dedicated to this, they're like pioneers, they're dedicating 70 hours you know, from what I remember. And stripping that, I can only imagine if they were to find out that this is not the truth
0: how devastating that would be at that point in their lives yeah especially after devoting so many years i mean i feel the mm-hmm. same way i ha- i have a mother who's the same age as your parents and I, f- I feel exactly the same she she would she would not be able to handle the realization of this organization not being the truth it, it would oh. break her
1: i think so too it's 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 and for some people i mean i've heard numerous stories some people don't want to carry on after they realize what they were in was a lie, you know? And I, I know my brother and sisters, there's probably hope there. I think, I don't know, but for my parents, you know, I, I think, and this is horrible to say, but I don't fantasize about this in a good way, but I do think about them passing away and having to attend one of these services. And I know what goes on in those funerals. Those memorials, yeah. you know, if they don't care about the people, they use that opportunity to to speak about how they can convert you into the organization. That's yeah. disgusting. That is like, yeah. that's my biggest nightmare, having to turn up to one of those and just experience that. I Like I said, I don't want to fantasize about that, but I just know that they're older and that's probably going to be well, the
0: case. It's a realistic thing to think, you know, given their age. I mean, I'm in exactly the same position and I do think about it from time to time as well you know I, totally, I completely understand yeah. yeah so when was the last time you spoke to any of your family actually um, my mom did call me
1: she called me a couple months ago and I tried to maintain a conversation with her but you know like the only co- I don't I don't know what my parents, I don't know what their favorite color is. I don't know what they, their mu- like music they like I feel like they don't have identities. I've never got to know them as people outside of the organization because their focus really is this organ. I know my dad likes soccer, cool. he's Brazilian. They all like soccer. Um, I don't she t- we talked about just how I was doing how she's doing, but then it got spiritual real quick. And like, she, I think she was kind of indicating, she's like, you can always come back kind of thing or having that hope that I will. And I'm like, I don't want to come back to that. And then I started relaying. I'm like, did you look at, I told her, look up the Royal Commission. I told her, look up certain things. Um, just out of the heat of the moment. But the reality is uh, she tried to, <laughs> I'm like, do you know where the funds for that organization are going? And she didn't have an answer, but then she sent me an article from the organization with no statistics saying where the numbers are going. It was just like, oh, are the, look at what the brothers are doing in Africa. Or look what the brothers are doing. It's like, you didn't send me any information. They never are transparent with what they're doing. And you're trying to relay this to me. I'm like, how could you send me information from the organization? It's just like saying you should trust your government, you know, it's like, it's the same shit. So it didn't make any sense. I'm like, this is very backwards thinking, but again, they don't know any better so it's it's uh yeah it was difficult to have that conversation and then i told her um something along the lines of like i don't believe this is the organization that god's present in fact i don't really believe in jehovah and she was like oh, oh god like i i can't believe you said like and she just freaked out and she's like i can't talk to you anymore i'm like okay well i love you bye i <laughs> that was, that was just very like shut down from it but you know i have to be more careful with what i say to them because i know they really, you know, needs to be talked to gently.
0: So your mom speaks to you every now and again. What about your, the rest of your family?
1: No, my dad hasn't spoken to me in like two and a half years since I came out. What? Oh, maybe more. Um, my brother and I were s- communicating a little bit, but then I started, that was when I was angry. So I was like, you know, this, this, <laughs> about the organization. Yeah. He's just like, Oh, this guy's fucking nuts. Um, and then my sister had that letter she wrote, but, I messaged her back I'm like you're crazy and then she obviously didn't (laughs) respond to that well so I haven't heard from her but yeah my mom tries I understand she's trying but like sometimes I just can't deal with this whole we can fix you you can come back I can't deal with it so I don't know what else to talk to about them uh, with them about so
0: it's just interesting um yeah it's interesting you said that you you, you feel like they, they don't have personalities. And um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's something that cults do is try to program a, a personality into their members so that they're, that they're all, you know, uniform, mm-hmm. you know, which is, and, so, and it's really, really difficult to relate, to relate to once you've come away from that.
1: Yeah it's 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 really interesting to the terminology you think about like cult 101 is language like they they yeah. created their own language you know and like put on a new personality or the truth like terminology like this that's and they used to say a lot repetition for emphasis like duh yeah. like that shit is all cult 101 like if you have this terminology yeah. and you create this own language you think you're like you think you're an intellectual of sorts and you think you're above people but the reality is you're creating new definitions for words that already exist And you don't see it that way because you really think you're on this hierarchy of religion and you have the right one and everybody else is beneath you. And now stepping out of it and looking back and hearing all the things I heard when I was younger, I'm like, whoa, that shit is just straight up brainwashing. And they're smart about it. It's all
0: psychology, you know, like they they know what they're doing. So
1: it's just really messed
0: up. Like um, the Watchtower study. You know when you're preparing for the watchtower study and and you know you're fully indoctrinated you actually think that what you're doing is study it, it's self-indoctrination <laughs> it's not study at all it's self-indoctrination
1: no because you're not even allowed to really put things in your own words now is what i'm hearing like you really have to just follow the script
0: <laughs> yeah that is nuts yeah.
1: it's like yeah. even for talks brothers who give talks is like they can't even veer off from what like a point is like they all worldwide are scripted talks that you have to just read verbatim and if that doesn't say cult to me i don't know what does you know mm-hmm. it's a mar- mm. multi-level marketing thing. that's what it is yeah. so i mean yeah. it's just interesting that you you don't see it that way for so long and then you grow up and you realize whoa that was yeah. really messed up but yeah. you know it's, it's so glad to be out of it so glad i'm constantly watching it's like the other thing about this is too is what you're doing as well is this form of activism is this like something we're going to dedicate the rest of our lives to is this something we're going to do or are we going to actually like in a sense because i talked to my therapist about this and they're like are you really moving past this by like delving more into it i'm like you know what if it helps people because the videos have helped me a lot i don't mind it but i think at some point It'll be nice to take a step back and just like really live life. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you know that that's something that we each as individuals have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what point does being an extra Jehovah's witness become your identity? Can you have an identity that doesn't include that? I mm-hmm.
0: know. Uh, I guess we 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 each have to find our own answer for that.
1: I agree. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, um, I think it, it does get, if I, if, like I said earlier, if I weigh on it too much, I just get into yeah. a really dark place. So I really have to just like balance myself with it and just kind of like keep moving on with my own life. But I mean, I'm so glad I'm able to tell this story and able to kind of like say it more openly now without that fear because yeah. fear of God, you know, fear, 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 that's yeah. all we grew up around and that was another question i had growing up like why why fear fear like in my head as a kid fear is a bad thing and they're like no fear fear of god as in like fear of displeasing him i'm like oh that's still a bad thing like (laughs) why would i be afraid to displease him he should be loving and he should forgive me it's just
0: oh man it's just whack yeah (laughs) i remember the the, the first time i decided that i was going to look at apostate um, material I was absolutely terrified and um, I I full on had a panic attack and I felt like I was crossing the point of no return I was like I mean I'd already been out of the organisation for over a year I had no plans to go back not only did I not have plans to go back I had fully decided that I was never ever going to go back but there was still some kind of there was still some element of finality about what I was doing That really weighed heavily on me it was like this is it this is like the last thing I could possibly do it was like this is the final frontier and um you know I still did it but it was with a great deal of apprehension and fear
1: absolutely I think that's very very normal for everybody who's been doing this like it's like even though I came out my family shunned me the next step for me looking at apostate information was just whoa like i couldn't believe i was doing it i couldn't i'm like could i take this and then i started just getting articles and reading them and it wasn't articles from apostates it was articles from the rolling stones about the royal commission it was articles from different news sources there was like bbc articles and dateline specials and you know then i was watching these little documentaries the i think the biggest wake-up call was watching the scientology doc uh show with leah Remney. and then she had coverage of the jehovah's witness one and i'm like i always i was already drawing parallels from scientology because i was just like obsessed with cults in general and then i was like whoa this is jehovah's witness straight up this is jehovah's witness people yeah and yeah, it's just like this realization is just this fear of like oh my god no return
0: yeah so i get it
1: yeah
0: yeah 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 so how do you feel now i feel great um you
1: know there's good days bad days but Generally, I feel really good about the path I'm on. And I think the biggest struggle for a lot of witnesses, and I think I saw this in another video with an interview you did, was, it's kind of just like, you missed out on so much, so it is playing catch up. So that's exactly what I'm trying to do, It's just like, just play catch up with life. And like, I'm, I'm busting my ass here, just trying to make uh, a living off what I'm doing. And hopefully it takes off in some sort of way. but. You know, it's really nice to kind of, like, do what you want and have the freedom to express what you want and love who you want and not feel worried about if there's going to be a Jehovah's Witness around the corner seeing you smoke a cigarette or whatever, you know? Like, (laughs) I was smoking cigarettes for, like, a long time. and I remember I saw someone around the corner. I forget what her name was, but she was a witness. I was like, fuck. So I just put my hood out and (laughs) I was just smoking a cigarette in the corner. (laughs) And I just saw her. She walked by, then she turned around. She's like... (laughs) I knew like it spread like wildfire after that
0: incarnation. Wow. Yeah. You know, they just love to talk. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, I'm, I'm telling you, all, all the world's best intelligence agencies could, could learn a few things from. from... <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> They're good at what they do for sure. Cause everybody's in uh, on it. Yeah. I mean, I had similar experience. I mean, um, shortly after I was disfellowshipped I decided I wanted to start dating and um the first few dates that I went on I was literally just looking around just like trying to look off in the distance to see if I could spot any witnesses that, that, that might potentially know me or something I, I felt so uncomfortable you know I mean was, I was already out of the organization I didn't really have any really have anything to 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 be afraid of but um it, it that was still there you know it, it's so deep rooted i felt like i was yeah. like a like a rebellious teenager just like you know <laughs> sneaking out and under the threat of getting caught
1: <laughs> it's because you never got to experience that as a rebellious teenager
0: yeah yeah that's right <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> this is you playing catch up but yeah it's uh yeah. It, it's interesting it's like taking and there's still times I bet you have to check yourself too, right? They're you're like walk like I think judgment is huge too. So like just judging people on the outside, like whether they have the way they look. I remember my parents would just sneer at people who had tattoos and just like piercings and stuff and now I have tattoos and piercings and it's just like if I look at someone walking down the street it'll automatically be a judgment, but then I have to check myself and be like, Whoa, I don't need to be doing that. Like who the fuck am I to judge anybody? I'm nobody. And I think just removing that daily is a process, but it's been so, I think it's been the hardest thing to do is just stop judging people. And I'm working on it and it's, yeah. it's getting better. But like I see people in the world who like literally are happy and they don't judge people. And I'm just like, I wanna be like that. Like, I don't wanna think like yeah. this anymore. Like, it, it's just this arrogance they have in that organization. <laughs> so it's, and then they talk yeah. shit about themselves too. They gossip amongst themselves about each other. It's like, you can't win. Either way, you're yeah. gonna be judging.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's been one of my challenges as well. You know, um, having to dispense with preconceived ideas and attitudes and prejudices mm-hmm. that just are either impractical for the real world or unacceptable, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, it's, it's not an easy process, no, it's, it's not, not an easy process at all,
1: no, but it's uh. I appreciate, I, I can't say I don't appreciate growing up in that because it's put me on this mode where, you know, I, I feel like I have more of a purpose now. I don't know what I would have been like before, but um, I'm not saying I'm thankful to have grown up as a Jehovah's Witness, but I am appreciative of certain aspects, you know, that made me the character I am today. So, I don't know. I don't know what else to say here. <laughs> it's I, I'm just uh, happy to be where I am right now. And I'm happy to see so many other ex-witnesses coming out and sharing their stories, and uh, yeah. it's really it's really inspiring because you know you're not alone. I think that's a great thing about social media now, and you know YouTube
0: in general. Just seeing so many new people every every fucking day. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. What you said earlier about your feed, um, just full of XJW stories, and mine, mine is pretty much the same yeah yeah i I think anybody who's doing this right now
1: their feeds look very similar to ours uh yeah but yeah i mean that's how i met rachel and i mean she fascinated me and we hopped on a few calls we were supposed to do a video together but we never got around to it so we might do that soon but um i actually watched her newest video she posted and she dropped my name in it but i loved what she did like she was talking about the art she was creating and Mm. just like I'm not sure if this was what it was, but it was like one of the guys she was dating, she was creating a portrait of him, but it was like a secret Mm -hmm. lover. So it was just, Mm -hmm. it was really nicely done and it's such a nice story. And um, it's nice to meet, like I've been meeting so many more. I think when you put that energy out there too, you're you're coming clean about who you are, you start getting that right back. So that was, you know, that was the reason her and I connected. And then so many people that I've connected with recently as well is just, we're just being honest. And that's the people you want in your life. Fuck, Like, fuck people who don't want to be there. Sometimes on my stories, like on Instagram, I just check to see who's looking at it. And sometimes there's ex-witnesses in there, you know, who don't follow Ooh. me anymore. I'm like, why are you still spying on me? Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> why are you still up in here? Like, yesterday I was looking, I was like, what? What are you, what are you doing here? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they're checking in. They always want to check in. Or maybe they're curious. Maybe they're Pimo, whatever. Um, yeah. They're just, they're, they're curious. There's something that's triggered in a lot of them i know that especially with the exposure of what's happening now through the internet you know don't google jehovah's witness why not
0: that's that's the first red flag right there <laughs> right, why
1: not it's literally the first thing that pop up is like a sect or a cult it's like yeah why would you call it that hmm. yeah but uh, you know if you hold up the truth, it should be the truth it should any scru- any scrutiny should just be like dismissed as
0: just, you know, oh, that's falsehood, but yeah, I don't want you to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing your story. And I'm, I'm honored that you, you know, wanted to share your story through my channel. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you viewers for watching. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And I'm sure you'll join me in wishing Jared the very best of success in moving on with his life. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash... Jexit underscore 2020 and with that I'd like to sincerely thank these very special patrons who make these videos possible.